0: Welcome to Unaborted with Seth Gruber. Thanks for tuning in today. I am in DC right now for the March for Life, which is tomorrow, with Kristen Hawkins, the President of Students for Life of America, the largest pro-life youth organization in the country. And I, myself, being a former alumni of Students for Life, having started the first pro-life club in Students for Life called Westmont College in Santa Barbara, and so I've been able to observe the impact of Students for Life for over a decade now and be able to see the impact that they have on the culture, on the next generation, which of course is the posterity of America and is either, and of course is the future electorate that will be deciding if we have a post ro America or not. And so we have, the, we have the opportunity to sit down and talk about these issues impacting life and liberty and law, the next generation, equal rights, and everything that Kristen does on the front lines of the pro-life movement. So we have a lot to get to today. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. So Kristen, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks it's great me. to have you on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've benefited so much from Students for Life of America, of course. Uh, Casey of Roman, or to, to mm-hmm. Sorrow, being one of your West Coast Regional Coordinators in 2010, 2011, mm-hmm. uh, which who I worked with initially. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that was amazing, being able to have her on campus, and, and Students for Life poured in so much into me, helping me uh, become the pro-life speaker and advocate that mm-hmm. I am today. So thanks for all that you do. I want you to share a little bit with my guests on how you got into the movement because I find those stories so fascinating because we are such a minority of the American public, those who mm, are actually sure. in full-time pro-life advocacy. Wow, we're we wow, a like, rare a breed. Exactly, yeah. so I, I wanna know just a little bit, give us a crash course, a bird's-eye view sure. about what what broke your heart and won your heart for life and led you to start Students for Life That's America. a great question,
1: what broke your heart? Um, no, uh, I started kind of getting involved in the public movement when I was 15. Uh, I, was, I had to have a senior research project yeah, yeah. and volunteer hours. There was 100 volunteer hours, and I wanted to graduate early. And so I was like, oh, I, to graduate early next year, I got to do my, my senior research project now. Yeah, yeah. And the woman at my church was a part-time accountant at a pregnancy resource center. So wow. she was like, hey, why don't you come out? I mean, she was like, you know, free slave labor, you know. <laughs> and so I was like, sure, like wow. Women's Center sounds great. Yeah, it was a pregnancy resource center. Um, and she wasn't there for like the first two days because she was part-time. So the women at the center were like, oh, my gosh, yeah, you're the intern. Like, wow. they were so excited to have me. I, w- I was very lucky because um, the women at the center, you know, they were three decades older than me and more, <laughs> right. were so excited to have me cool. and really poured a lot into me to have me become a counselor at 15, which is kind of rare because a lot of pregnancy centers, like if a 15-year-old comes, they... They're in the back room. And I did the supply room organizing. Sure. I taught them how (laughs) to use clip art to do a newsletter. Like, I did all that stuff, too. Um, But they poured a lot into me and said, you know, we want you to actually counsel Mm -hmm. girls because, you know, let's try this approach. Like, you're the same age, and sometimes you're a little older than the girls. Um, And so so they trained me that summer. And so that was really... You were 15. Yeah. That was something that was... um, I mean, talking about breaking my heart, you know, that first day going home, I remember walking, walking to uh, my car and just like, wow, Wow. like I was active in my church and we went Sunday morning, Sunday night, sometimes Wednesday. Those were the really boring nights, sometimes Saturday night. Um, And so like, we never really talked about abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of, you know, thought, you know, I didn't like abortion. I wouldn't have abortion, but maybe Maybe it would be that parachute thing, right, right? that one-time get-out-of-jail-free card. Mm-hmm. So I, that's what really kind of broke my heart of this is happening and just that sense of, like, injustice that, like, this is happening. You know, abortions now, then it was even more. Now it's happening 100 times every hour, and yet no one's talking about it. It's not the nightly yeah. news. We don't see the broken bodies of the 2,300 people we abort and kill every day right. uh, with a lot of times taxpayer dollars. Right. So yeah, that was, I I wanted to graduate high school early because I had won a scholarship to space camp. Yes, I am a dork. And I wanted to go into aeronautical engineering. So I found a program through Penn State to like go into college early and, you know, get on track because I wanted to work at NASA. Yeah, yeah, that all changed. (laughs) I still graduated high school a year early, but then I graduated and went into political science. So
0: So fast forward then, how did you start Students for Life America? How did that happen? How did that, how did those... uh...
1: Well, you know, in Washington, D.C., it's, yeah, I mean, Washington, D.C. is a small town um, and I was pro-life girl. <laughs> uh, I started a pro-life group in my high school after I went back to my yeah. senior slash junior year after the pregnancy resource center. Yeah, so yeah, I was like, yeah. I can't, like, let that be the only thing I do. I got to keep talking about this. Wow. Um, so then I got involved in local politics because yeah. of my pro-life uh, movement, kind of, step in and so then i was like the youngest person there by like five decades (laughs) um politics i went to college i started pro-life group and i did some lobbying and i didn't really know that there was like a very active pro-life movement i knew that there was national right to life I remember I have a picture of me, 15 year old Kristen, meeting Father Frank Pagone for the first time, Uh, which is kind of cool because Father Frank's giving me a award tomorrow, and I have gotten a lot like awards. I'm like I don't serve, but it's kind of cool because I'm like it's for the team. But you were the one like yeah. Oh, I had a picture of Father Frank like and I wasn't Catholic yet. I'm a convert to Catholicism now, but I had like this picture of this priest on my like dresser for like a decade or more. Wow. Um, (laughs) So yeah, it was. It, I just kind of started getting more and, and more involved. And because of this pro-life conviction, I, I kind of thought like, well, I really want to serve full-time in the pro-life movement, but there's really like, you got to kind of money. You got to kind of be old to be in the pro-life movement. Like I'm right. going to have to go make money and I can start my own pregnancy center or maternity okay. home. But like, what else is there to do? Like, I didn't really know that there was all, all of these conservative think tanks. And I went to a very very, very liberal college, which helped prepare me for the yeah. life, you know, God had a plan. Um, so I didn't have professors who were like, oh, there's this internship yeah. here, you should go Google. Yeah. Um, no, the Google was like this newer thing. <laughs> um, so I'm dating myself, I shouldn't say it. But um, so yeah, so I got involved in the campaigns. Wow. So I worked for President Bush's 2004 re-election campaign. Okay. Um, and so I got offered an internship at in National to Life. And I got offered an internship with the campaign. The campaign didn't pay. National rights life paid. But I mm. decided to do the campaign. That was God. a really hard decision. But I'm really glad I did. Mm. Um, so I learned a lot about campaigning. That led me to Washington to work at the Republican National Committee. Uh, then I was like, oh, I want to go get my Ph.D. because I, I, I need to go. Talk to kids and be on campuses. And then one day I'll have enough money to start my pregnancy center. Uh, so I was like, I can't work at the—my my advisor was like, you got to get out of the job at the RNC. It's going to kill your resume. No serious college is going to hire an academic who is this, you know, activist, crazy yeah, 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 activist. Yeah, yeah. So I went into the government. I got—it's uh, um, considered like a political pointy position uh at the department of health and human services and when i was over there about a year into my tenure over there a friend of mine from the rnc called who mm. i worked with in the campaign said so, yeah i just moved some kids uh they run this group called like american collegiate for life they changed the name of students for life and like they got this mm. money and they really want to go full-time into the pro life movement well wow. and i and you know and of course i gave them your name so
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, and the rest is history wow. uh, so yeah no it was it was total God thing wow. of, you know, D.C. is a very small town. Right, and once right. you become like that pro-life, you know, college, I had the pro-life mobile and everyone right. knew I was the pro-life chick. Yeah. Um, in Washington, it was very clear. Mm. Uh, and so I got hooked up with uh, a very small group of kids who um, received a grant. Uh, randomly, a Students wow. for Life member at Boston College sat next to a guy in Boston at a pregnancy center dinner. And she said, what do you do? And he said, I just retired from the government. I want to donate to the pro-life movement. And she said, oh, you should give money to people like me because abortion targets me, but no one ever gives students money wow. to talk to fellow students about That's abortion. Amazing. And Ray said yes. I still to this day don't know how like, wow. convinced him to say yes, but he did. So that's the that's yeah, founding story. Yeah, that's we had amazing. a startup grant, and I you know wow. stupidly was like, yeah, start a nonprofit, super easy. Yeah. It won't be hard at all. Yeah.
0: That's incredible. Wow. So tell us a little bit about this National Pro-Life Summit. You've been doing the Students for Life mm-hmm. conference annually for how long now?
1: Uh, since we started, since 2006.
0: Okay, two thousand. but now this one's different. This is yes. called the National Pro-Life Summit. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the, the unique timing yeah. of this National Pro-Life Summit and then the partnerships that have come together to make this yeah,
1: happen. Yeah, um, it's kind of the opposite of branding, because you know, branding, you want to put your name on everything. Right. Uh, so we're doing the opposite of what branding experts tell you to do, just warn you. So Sometimes you have to be a little crazy in the pro-life movement. <laughs> you no, know, this was an idea I had about 10 years ago. Um, in 2009, the pro-life movement and the pro-family movement, we were able to unite uh, pretty well. And work together, same talking points, uh, do like-minded events, work in coalition and partnership against Obamacare because we right. know that Obamacare is going to be the largest extension of abortion. Yeah, and it was great; everyone was working together. There was all this unity, and so after it was over, and we got our butts kicked because a couple of pro-life Democrats. Uh, pro-life Democrats, uh, betrayed us, I was like, you know, we should keep this unity going. Like, we should do a conference and train people. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think so. Um, And so this was an idea I've had for a while of, you know, we have the Students for Life Conference, and it's the largest pro-life conference in the world. No one turns out more people than the Students for Life Conference. Um, And adults come, and often I find adults get sometimes even more because not only do they, you know, students get training and get inspired, but the adults who always came were always in the front row, like, bawling because, you know, my mom, people like my mom going, oh you know it's not going to die with right. my generation here, right? right like yeah. they're here and like they're going to replace us and they're right. they're going to do even more than we did you know right. so it, it it has a different impact yeah. to people who have been fighting
0: did get weary there was a moment it was did a time it pro- really did weary
1: it really just, for life
0: has played such a huge part in 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 uh you know bringing that I was youth. the holy
1: spirit that had so a plan talk a
0: little bit about the, the so, unique timing of this so too, the, in regards yeah to this
1: administration so that's why we decided to do it this year right because if ever there was a time to inspire pro-life unity, it is 2020. Yeah. Um, this is a year where we know, I mean, I know a lot of times we say in the pro-life movement, this is the most important election of our lifetime. No, this really <laughs> is the most important. Like, right, right. this election will determine whether or not our generation will be the first post-road generation. Mm, yeah. And I don't think that a lot of people are thinking of that way. We are so close. Like, we have five pro-life judges of the Supreme Court. Right. Problem is... We need some more with some guts and yeah, a little yeah, power. Right, right. So we're going to need another one or two right. to reverse row. Now reversing row isn't the end of the battle, and I'm sure you've probably talked about that. Mm-hmm. And I talk about it a lot. Yeah. Um. And it goes to the 50 state battle, and that's what we've been training for. at students for life and preparing people. And right, right. um. <laughs> but and it keeps me up at night. It makes me like a little nervous to start all the stuff we have to do. Right. But we need to unite now, and yeah. like we need people across well, the, the, the movement to understand is, is the importance. Totally united, aren't
0: they? The other side is incredibly yeah. united. And they have tit for tats, yeah. but but again, I mean, you know, in a culture of death, sure, it's easy to unify around death and not care too well,
1: much. Well, yeah, about and they also have some reputation. really big billionaires who oh, yeah. demand, you <laughs> not know, any names. yeah, they demand <laughs> everyone work together. Yeah, where we don't right. have that. And right. I, I don't necessarily think because I get I get this question a lot. Like I meet right. with supporters. That's probably the number one question I get from older pro-lifers. Yeah. Right. Why isn't there just one of you? I am so sick of getting so many direct mail emails, letters and emails. And I'm like, I'm actually, I like the fact that we're very separated. Because if one of us goes down, if one of us gets sued, you can't, you know, we don't have a giant bullseye. We're like whack-a-mole, like real (laughs) life. Also... These smaller groups and mid-sized groups, like they're always the competition. I'm a big, I'm an entrepreneur competitive person. So that I think actually helps we innovate, right? Well,
0: that makes sense too, because most pro-life individuals are conservatives and they are small government people. Yeah. Whereas the left and those who are increasingly pro-abortion are big governments. Some of them are full-on socialists. And so yeah. it would make sense that the pro-abortion industry would be more unified with only several figureheads as a bigger movement because yeah. that's how they view the government. Yeah. We're small government conservatives. We want to encourage individuals and in innovation. Right. And so you see that take, you know, take off in the pro-life movement. What have been the, the biggest victories for the pro-life movement this last year, 2019, which I have argued. Uh, up until this point was one of the most radical and intense years in the abortion wars and and it's going to get worse i wrote a piece at life site news yeah um uh, I'm taking say, notes titled, Abortion is the Greatest Genocide in Human History, and Democrats are its greatest champion. Yeah. Um, and I made the point that this really was the most intense year in the abortion wars, at least in my lifetime, being able to yeah. speak only from my experience. So what do you think were the greatest uh, challenges for the pro-life movement in 2019? And then what are we looking forward to in 2020?
1: I'm taking notes, by the way. I'm not being rude. So <laughs> I always have to warn people. The Josh Brown podcast I did with my po- explicitly pro-life, I was taking notes, and it looks like I was, like, texting I'm like, my husband. Oh, no, I'm taking notes. Um, I have a Ideas when you're talking, so I'm just stealing some things. Um, But no, I think there's a lot of things. Yes, it was super intense. I actually think it's going to get more intense, and that's one of the things I've been trying to prepare pro-lifers across the country for. Is I know we don't a lot of you don't like controversy. I'm a little, I'm like the outlier in the the pro-life movement. Sometimes I like controversy, Mm -hmm. but you need to prepare for that because when. They can't commit violence inside their clinics. They're going to go out into the streets. Right. And they have been duped into this radical ideology where you literally have women who will come up to me on campus. I'm sure that happens to you, who are shaking, angry. Right. Like, they feel like their entire dignity and value and self-worth is wrapped up in Roe versus Wade. And right. the very thought, like my speech title is Make Abortion Illegal Again, that means I'm trying to say that they're not— A human with value, right? right? I mean, it's very, so you have a lot of, and if you look at the words that NARAL and Planned Parenthood are using in their fundraising emails, they're ginning it up. They're stoking the fire. And I've been kind of showing people, like, think about what happened when Judge Kavanaugh was confirmed to the Supreme Court. I was over in Ireland speaking to a very demoralized Irish pro-life movement that day. And I was watching on Facebook Live the women who rushed the Supreme Court on a Saturday evening and started banging and clawing at the doors of the Supreme Court. I mean, they were acting like complete idiots, right? And then there was violence. Like that is what's going to happen. Just, mm-hmm. just Judge Kavanaugh was like nothing compared right. to the next. Who I feel, I, mean, right. I, I feel so bad for whoever the next right. person who gets nominated for yeah. the Supreme Court because it's going to be. Uh, you could times... almost call
0: that a moral bellwether oh, yeah. for what twenty twenty might look it's like, gonna especially be... if Roe versus Wade is overturned. Yeah, I mean, that, doesn't the that extremism like a, is a darker spiritual aspect too, yeah, right? Absolutely. Because we understand that the left it places their sexuality as the core Mm -hmm. rotating figure of their identity, right? That they believe in sexual libertinism. They believe that if it feels good, do it. And therefore, abortion is needed to encourage that type of sexuality. Then they want to sexualize children, right? Then they, but then at the same time, they want to say there is no such thing as sex. You can choose whatever you want. <laughs> but we as, as religious well, people, Well, like, I
1: right? be consistent. Yeah, right? we
0: believe that our identity is not based in sex, right? No. It's based in sex.
1: I'm actually more for than identity. my genitalia.
0: Yes, and more eternal. But that's where they put it. And so a threat to abortion to them what? does sound like a threat to their entire identity, yeah, right? And that's sorry. why sorry. We, we, especially as pro-life Christians, for those of, of us who are pro-life people of faith, which is of course the majority of the movement, have to make the arguments we have to love our unborn neighbors and their mothers and fathers while extending a hand and mm-hmm. also being the hands and feet of Jesus and saying, no, we love life mm-hmm. and so we want to support you. To yeah, I
1: life. mean, I mean, that's why they get so angry on campuses, right? Because you're talking about um, make it, my speech tile recently, make abortion illegal again. That's right. And when you're talking about a world where abortion is illegal, then you have to reconsider who you sleep with, <laughs> right. right? Because if you're not willing to maybe enter into an 18-year-long relationship with another human being and raise another human person with that, that man or right. woman, then you shouldn't have sex with them. It's, it's actually ridiculously simple. Right. Um, but it's yeah. really hard to hear because right. what you're saying is you're going to have to reevaluate right. your life choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've, we've completely separated sex from reproduction. Like, I, you would think that when I say um, abortion should be made illegal... That's like that should be like the most controversial thing I should say. I, you would think. Nope. 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 If I say there are two genders, <laughs> and then if I say sex can equal babies, consent
0: to sex. Is consent to pregnancy.
1: Oh, you want to see? One, yeah. They
0: lost it. They you
1: you lose it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. no, when you consent to having sex, right. you're consenting to the fact you might get pregnant. Right. Like, because it's simple biology. Like, yeah. it seems very simple to people, but it, it is a worldview oh, yeah. shift. Well,
0: and there's a huge Once contraception against, aspect oh, of that, right? We, well, we, we, we don't have time to get that. Kristen has a great episode on contraception, on the birth control mm-hmm. pill, um, and, and sort of yeah. that whole aspect in conversation. Um, and so, check out that on her podcast. Which is hard, I think, because, like,
1: it, especially for those of us who are raised in a Protestant church, right. there is no conversation about contraception. Oh, not at all, not it's at all. when you get 14, if you start having bad cramps or PCOS, you go on contraception, that's it. And then, when you, you know, after right. you get married, you decide to get pregnant, then you go off contraception. And there's not really discussion of, like, what is contraception? Right. Can artificial i I'm talking about. i talking about barrier methods. Artificial hormonal contraceptives. Right. Can it be carcinogenic? How does it affect your brain? Right. Okay. Because you're not
0: solving a problem. You're. you're sticking, masking yeah, it. Yeah, medication band-aid on it.
1: And then what are you changing in a relationship? Right. So it's a. Yeah. It's a. Yeah. If right. I could There's ethically clone myself, <laughs> right. I would do because it. it Oh, it's a it's a mind shift. And you want to talk about shifting someone's worldview, you start talking about, hey, have you ever thought that maybe this this would be a problem? But yeah, Yeah. and
0: we're not and it's not a hands made tale type of philosophy Mm -hmm. that we're advancing. We're saying, hey, listen, you're more than a pound of flesh and you deserve more. You deserve someone who loves you and will commit themselves to you rather than treating you like a pound of flesh. Mm -hmm. And then utilizing abortion as a tool of male exploitation and chauvinism Mm -hmm. so that they can treat you. Like a pound of flesh, and separate sex from procreation. And it's and so weird because
1: everybody, you know, everybody wants happiness, and they'll say like happiness. They want to achieve happiness in their life. Right. And it's like, well, what are the levels of happiness? Is that is having sex with random men? Is that achieving your ultimate level of happiness in your life? Where do you become right. the most happy? Right? right is yeah. it serving God? That's right. Serving others. Right. Serving self. Serving your ego. Those are low level yeah, yeah, yeah. forms of of, yeah. of happiness, so. and they're temporary and a lot of times they have side effects that don't lead to happiness. So it's a broader, I think sadly, sadly it's a philosophical conversation, but they have a lot of people haven't been taught to think about that, right? That's so
0: important because we are eternal beings. And so if you try to shove your soul into sex, a fleeting thing that cannot handle the weight of an eternal soul, you will eventually be let down and feel hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much more I want to ask you with the sake of time, let's see if we have a time for a couple okay. more before we, uh, we send you off to go uh, equip and encourage more people. What does the future of campus outreach look like mm. and, and activism look like given the changing political environment? Yeah. Um, there are threats of course, but at the same time under this pro-life administration, there's a lot of encouragement mm-hmm. um, knowing that certain types of expression that the left doesn't like has more protections now than it would have under an Obama administration or certainly a Hillary Clinton administration. So mm-hmm. all these different aspects that, that you yeah. as Students for Life have to consider. What is the future of campus activism and outreach look like mm. um, in, a, in a context that we have to be, right? Because this is the posterity of America. Sure. This is the electorate. And our universities function sort of like cultural cr- crystal globes. They
1: absolutely do. Yeah, I mean. So talk about Yeah, that. I mean, politics, I believe, is downstream from culture. And who creates culture? Youth. And where, who does Hollywood market to? Young people, right? right. Because sex. Youth is sexy, right? Um, and that's just brass tacks of it. But no, it, you know, President Trump has done a lot. We did a big White House you know, executive order. We had a bunch of students on stage speak with him this year about standing up for free speech rights. And um, we work, we're, you know, ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom, and Thomas More Legal we'll I love us because we're very good clients. Um, and we've had more legal cases and vandalisms and threats of violence than ever before, ever since President Trump has been elected. Right. And you, you talked about that earlier, the extremism of 2019 it's on the rise right because they know what's coming and they're freaking out about it Um, and so it's going to get worse i you know under a trump presidency um, we'll be okay what worries me is what happens in politics there's always equal opposite reactions what happens when there is a uh, bernie sanders or elizabeth warren presidency they will literally do, and what I always look at, we have um, a group, uh, NCLN, National Campus Life Network. They're up in Canada. Ruth Shaw was a f- former Students for Life leader. Mm-hmm. She actually got arrested um, on our wow. campus. Alliance uh, Defending Freedom had to you know, wow. get her out of that. Um, but Ruth actually is the executive director of NCLN. So they're kind of like the sister organization of Students for Life. And so okay. Ruth and I Facebook message. Usually it's somewhere. She's mm-hmm. got little kids too, so she uh, messages me uh, all the time. On just different questions. And it's a scary situation. So if, I think if you want to look at the mm-hmm. future of campuses, look at what's happening in Canada cuz everything oh, they do gosh, in Canada they try right. to export export here right. down here. Yeah. And they can't wear they can't wear polo shirts. They can't even have pictures of ultrasound images on campuses. Uh, really? So like this is uh, what I'm talking about like you can hate Donald Trump and not like his tweets and whatever. But the reality is you have this person, this this person, who has actually done pro-life things, and we weren't sure, and actually has dumped, and then you have somebody who, right. you're gonna have somebody on the other side. And they're, they're not like, hiding the
0: cards. Oh, oh no,
1: right. Like I mean, that's a part of the extremism now, right? right? right. Like, they're yeah, openly, great. like, they want to shut us down. I mean, that's right. the whole thing on campuses now. When I was on campus in college, and this is, I'm like, dang myself again, dang it. Um, you know, there was at least a semblance of we want to debate. Right, yeah. We, we, we want to encourage debate and dialogue. That's what we're doing on campuses. I actually, uh, one of the people you mentioned earlier, uh, I've had some not some not so pleasant conversations with this person before about tactics in the pro-life movement. Um, and I think one thing we have to keep in mind is your mission, your principles don't change, but your tactics can and that's not a bad thing. Like, I want to be the most effective person I can be. Um, and and that means I need to convert the most number of people. So that means, right. like, at Students for Life, we've changed our tactics multiple times. Hmm. But I've heard from other people in the public room before, like, you know, students for life groups are being wusses and they won't do this. And I'm like, well, yeah, like, I probably would have done that. but. I can't, one, I can't, I'm a resource organization. I can't force groups right. to do these things, but maybe you need to reevaluate your tactics and change. And right. not saying you're changing your mission, right. um, but there's nothing wrong with saying, I, I change tactics all the time in Students for Life. Like every year I do a big, I'm already started. I kind of, do we need to, you know, blow up this? Do we need to stop doing this? Like, and I'm constantly trying to figure out, and I like change, right? So my staff's like, oh, God, she's she's thinking about it again. But I, I want to be the most effective pro-life activist I can be. And Hmm. that means I'm not wedded to my tactic. I don't get personally like upset or offended if something we did four years ago, no, longer works. I mean, and that's what's interesting with Generation Z is, you know, the oldest Gen Zs are now sophomores in college. And so we've been having conversations on our team, what has changed? What's right. going to change when all, there's no more millennials in campuses yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's all Gen Z? And I actually think right. it's going to be positive for us. And we may yeah. be able to go back to some earlier tactics right, yeah. that the millennials yeah, are Yeah, this to tolerate. generation
0: seems a little bit more willing to question the, the, sort of the norm and the mm-hmm. status quo more so than millennials have yeah. on certain issues. I have one last question for you mm-hmm. before we wrap up and, uh, and then get out here marching for life mm-hmm. and, uh, and working with other people who, uh, who are working so fearlessly alongside us. There is a, there is an ass, there is a messaging battle in the pro life movement. It's been happening for almost a decade now, but increasingly more so in the last five years or so. I was in an event last night where mm-hmm. Hugh Hewitt spoke briefly, a right. um, uh, law professor over at Chapman mm-hmm. and has a, has a show. And this, he told the students in the room, the, or the audience, the majority who were students, that hey when you march on friday you're not just marching for justice for the unborn you're marching for justice for everyone and he said if you're pro-life you can't just be pro-life for the unborn you have to be pro-life for everyone which opens us up to critiques from our ideological opponents that what it means to really be pro-life is to also be against all these other things i thought he was a a conservative putting a certain right burden on the pro-life movement of solving other social ills right so there's this attempt to redefine what know, pro-life means time. and uh yeah. and and it concerns me
1: no it's... because it
0: used to mean we march for the unborn pro-life mm-hmm. but you were against the killing of humans in the womb mm-hmm. and while christians might adopt a certain level of personal responsibility Absolutely. in their own life to we should to protest other injustices that doesn't mean that the operational objectives of the pro-life movement have to be broad and right. inclusive so that... talk to that messaging yeah that
1: really. i i hear this a lot and i think a lot of it is you know, you're on campus and you're trying to win friends and influence others, right? And that's, you're trying to build this movement. And you get these questions of like, well, you know, you should be more consistent. You should do this. and You should do this. And so there's like this feeling of, well, yeah, I, I, I guess I would. And if, if, if my Students to Life group, my Right to Life group would just take a stance against the death penalty and take a stance on human trafficking and take a stance on climate change and all this, we could reach across the aisle and like, we can make friends with liberals and, and pro boards and bring them in. Sounds like a good idea, right? Right. Because we want to convert. Like, that's our goal. Guess what? I've tried this before. They're still going to hate you. Yep. At the end of the day, you can be a liberal on every single issue, dye your hair pink, use the F word every other sentence, right? You can be as cool. You can be secular. You can be whatever. As long as you're anti-abortion, they're going to hate you. Right. You can't you're not they're never going to bridge that right and i and i think so many and and, and the challenge with the student pro-life movement is you know the, you're, you're this is your first time in leadership and so you don't actually have the benefit of doing this for 20 some years like right. me i'm like Okay, you want me to tell you every single campus group who's tried this and then the right. group dies because what happens is, the, and we've seen this, uh, a group will say, oh, Kristen, we're gonna, we're gonna be the social justice club now. We're still totally pro-life. Right, right. We're totally anti-abortion, right. but we're gonna talk about this, this, yeah. this, this, and literally we'll have like 15 things. I'm like, okay, well, right. good and luck. What does trying, that look like, right? He, well, yeah. try to find 15 people, <laughs> right, right, okay, right. who can agree with you on all 15 points, okay? Right. Um, especially like if you're talking about death penalty. Mm. How are you gonna reach across if you're a Catholic to Protestants right. who you know I am anti-death penalty, but I didn't start out in the pro-life movement being anti-death. I actually was converted to That's that. Right. But had I like when I started the pro-life movement and you know, I came into the pro-life movement as a Protestant, like full disclosure, I'm a Catholic now, I was pro-birth control, I was pro-death penalty. And like if I would have joined the pro life movement and the pregnancy center said you got to be anti death penalty, you got to be anti hormonal contraception, right. I would have been like, these people are freaking crazy. I'm not joining them, right? Yeah, yeah. So it would have eliminated me from <laughs> right. actually even learning the truth about right. these things. So and, I think narrow the focus. S- the
0: strategies of the pro life movement: would we fight sex trafficking yeah. Monday? How
1: are you going to do Tuesday that? Abortion, how are you right? going to? How are you going to do that, right. right? I know what I do really well. Exactly. I, I, Students for Life isn't the be all end all pro life mm-hmm. organization, like. We have a niche and we're good at that niche, and that's called specialization. Yeah. Right? And
0: what other what other group gets that rap, right? Imagine no. telling the American Cancer Society you're not really anti-cancer unless you're you're I focused asked campus, on cam- solving AIDS. I ask this right? on
1: campus all the time. So I'm like, when students yell at me about foster care adoption, I'm like, so I'm like, oh, so you really hate the American Diabetes Association, don't you? They're like, why i was like well so what's the american diabetes association's job right to cure juvenile diabetes i'm like great right. i said but they don't give a damn about people with cancer right, right. and they're like
0: and you and I know that the pro-life people in our lives are some of the most generous. In fact, pro-life conservatives yes. and Republicans and we're give cold. significantly more yeah. than Democrats to these nonprofits, Absolutely. to these justice organizations that we're then accused of not caring about because we choose to specialize mm-hmm. in ending the only legalized slaughter of actual mm-hmm. human beings that has also taken the yeah. lives of more human beings the, than any other existence.
1: Nothing's taken more human beings <laughs> right. than abortion.
0: And we can care and are personalized about all these other issues and even give gender. But it
1: deserves its own movement, exactly. right? That's right. Yeah. No one like Imagine I
0: mean, telling abolitionists yes, that you're slavery. Not really anti-slavery. Well,
1: I mean, think about <laughs> if you think about slavery, for example. I had an African American friend of mine point this out. He was like, and he was actually trying to argue the opposite, and it really made my point better. He's like, well, you know, you know, think about the hundred years of the American South after slavery you had African-Americans living in poverty, you still today in 2019, African-Americans are, you can say in many respects, they have a disadvantage. because you've had this legacy, right, of slavery and then poverty, um, and so you have this challenge of, you know, we weren't ready. America wasn't ready for Reconstruction. Like, you know, there's a sharecropping. I mean, like you had Jim Crow. Like you had the civil rights. Act, like a lot of bad things happened after slavery ended. Right. But but no one ever told the abolitionists, well, you don't have a plan to deal with all these black people after they get freed, so you can't can't end the abort- can't end slavery until you have a plan for them. No. Totally. You like stop the injustice and then you keep fighting. to restore justice. So, sorry, I get... I probably got too loud. There, well, that was good. That was good because more of our really pro life friends are
0: adopting this redefinition of pro life. Yeah, that's Burdening stupid. themselves with trying to solve all social ills. Yeah. And then telling the next generation that, hey, if you're really pro life, you need to address all these other yeah. things when there's other movements and organizations better funded right. and more called to the special. And we're still
1: called to be in those organizations. I think it's a broader problem sure. of we're trying to address the fact that pro life has a bad brand. Yeah. And I've done the research, I know it has a bad brand. But you don't make the brand better by trying to expand it, you make the brand better by a better brand. Ambassadors, you'd be better storytellers. You change the narrative. There's a and whole by being conversation.
0: More Committed. Absolutely. Blessed. Yeah. Absolutely. This was an excellent conversation. Thank you, Kristen. Listen, guys, if you appreciated this and you don't know who Kristen Hawkins is already, which would surprise me, then check out her podcast, Explicitly mm-hmm. Pro Life. You can watch it on YouTube. So it's a podcast as well, or iTunes Podcast, Spotify, mm-hmm. anywhere else that you listen. We're going to be marching for life tomorrow. That's Hundreds right. of thousands of people. And so much of that and so much of the youth have been inspired by the work that Students for Life of America does. So check out Kristen's podcast. And if you want to learn more about what I do, check out Unaborted This Podcast. And check out my website, SethGruber.com, to subscribe to my newsletter, get pro-life training resources delivered to your email newsletter. And if you want to become a patron of the show, go to Patreon.com slash Unaborted to help us reach more people with this pro-life content. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted.